Hello, and welcome to the Dynasty Baseball Pickups Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Corso, and I'm super excited to be joined today by my new co-host, Kyle Sontag. How's it going, Kyle? I'm doing well, Taylor. How are you? I'm doing great. So I know Kyle because we are in a ton of leagues together. Uh, we're actually in six fantasy leagues, uh, five dynasty leagues, one to redraft. And Kyle is one of the best fantasy players I know. He's a great prospect mind. So Kyle, you know, in addition to the leagues that we're in, are you in any other leagues? Yeah, so I'm in about 10 leagues total, a couple of those being redraft, most of them being some format of either dynasty or keeper. Uh, so yeah, it's like you said, lots of leagues together, but I'm sure you're the same way. Lots that uh, that you've got your own guys you're going after as well. Definitely. And and the bonus of being in multiple uh, dynasty leagues is that if you miss out on a player in one, you, you might have time to grab them somewhere else. So that's always great. Um, so Kyle, how long have you been playing fantasy for and how long have you been playing dynasty for? So I've been playing both for about six or seven years now. And actually from a, a prospect, a dynasty standpoint, I got a little bit lucky in that my initial kind of inundation to dynasty to fantasy baseball was dynasty. I picked up a an orphan team from a a league that my my brother was in and it was in a deep deep rebuild already so much so that the first round keeper it had was Willie Calhoun so uh <laughs> it it's needed a lot of work but that kind of had me diving straight into prospects right off the bat that's awesome that's a that's a name Willie Calhoun um so I know you're heavily involved in the fantasy baseball discord. Uh, you're always in the prospect channel. I know that you run the prospect of the week feature there. So how'd you get involved with that? Uh, yeah, kind of along the same lines. I just, I've always enjoyed looking into the prospects, learning more with, with so many leagues that we're in together. You know how it goes in a lot of those deeper leagues. It seems like every time you look someone up and find someone you want to add, He's already owned in a number of the leagues. So the more research, the more of this I can do on prospects, I find the the more of a kind of hand up it, it gives me in more of these leagues. So the more prospect work I can do, the better. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's tough in these leagues where we have a lot of great prospect minds all, all going after the same player. So um, for those listening, the format of the show is going to be a little bit different today now that we have Kyle on board. So we each picked four names. We're going to rapid fire back and forth on those four names and discuss our, our points of view. I think, you know, Kyle and I like a lot of the same players, but we have a different evaluation process. So I think we're, there's definitely going to be some disagreements on these players. And I, I think that's great because there's not one right way to play fantasy. There's not one right way to play dynasty or to evaluate prospects. So um, ho hopefully this will provide help for those listening to, to get a couple points of view on on different players so with that being said uh kyle you're the new man on the show here why don't you start us out with your with your first name all right yeah so first name on my list is jordy vargas jordy maybe yordy vargas either way uh he's a right-handed pitcher for the colorado rockies organization he's 19 years old he's playing in low a right now he's listed at six foot three 153 pounds so he's definitely got some room to add some weight and currently just 2% owned on fan tracks. He uh, signed for half a million in the 2021 international class, performed well in the hitter-friendly DSL in his professional debut, and has just kind of continued to put up strong numbers since then. This year, numbers are a little bit down. He's started 
uh, 12 games now. The numbers I've got are for his first 11, but he had a 4.29 ERA, 1.25 WHIP, and was averaging 5.1 innings per game started over that span. The reason I don't have his 12th game in there is because I did these yesterday and he played last night and some of that stuff is a little slow to add. But uh, so far he's got a 25.6% K rate, a 9% walk rate, which is good for a 16.7% K minus walk rate. Nothing spectacular, but not bad either, considering he's just 19 years old still. Yeah. Does have a 34% ground ball rate right now and a 322 BABIP. So that kind of implies that he might be running into a bad, a bit of bad luck. But the 239 batting average again suggests that it may not be all that much bad luck either. As far as his stuff goes, he possesses a fastball in the low to mid 90s with good ride at the top of the zone and strong command of the pitch. As I mentioned before, at his size, we can expect that he'll put on a little bit more good weight. We can probably expect that there will be a bit of a velo bump when that happens. Too. So if he can continue to control the pitch like he does right now, this could be a potential plus pitch long term if he can get it up into the mid to upper 90s with that good control. But obviously, that's all speculative at this point. He does throw two other pitches, the curveball and the changeup. The curveball is a little bit split as far as evaluations go. Some think it's a bit more of a slider. Either way, most seem to agree that it has the potential to be at least an above-average offering, and some are already describing it as a quote-unquote knee-buckling parabola of death. So <laughs> that with a bit of grain of salt because, again, he's 19 years old, but it can also get a little bit loopy at times, and uh, that can be problematic. But he's shown the ability to both land at four strikes early in the count and use it as an out pitch to finish off the batter. So there's definitely some signs of this being a strong offering for him. The changeup is clearly his third offering, but he has shown good feel at times, and it's even shown better than the breaking ball from time to time. There's not a ton of fade, and he does have a tendency to slow his arm down a little bit. But again, 19 years old, there's lots of time to refine the pitch and route out his arsenal with at least three pitches grading out to average or better. So what do you see his like ultimate you know profile being? Do you see him as kind of a mid-rotation starter? And, and let, let's take Coors Field out of this. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. But um, you know wh what's the ceiling here? Yeah, I'd say mid rotation is probably what you're hoping for, and you'd be satisfied with a you know a back end starter. It's hard to say with a a kid this young exactly where he ends up. He might add you know eight to ten miles an hour on his fastball, and he could be a guy that ends up throwing a hundred. You never know when they're throwing you know ninety two, ninety three at nineteen years old what might happen. But I think a safe assumption is mid rotation. And obviously, as with any pitching prospect, there's definitely some relief risk here. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's definitely an interesting name. One that I, I have to admit I've ignored simply because that COL next to his name. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I have a pretty hard and fast bias against Colorado Rockies pitchers. Um, I, I would say it's for good reason, because I think Coors Field is is somewhat undefeated uh except for the occasional you know season here or there um but 
there eventually is going to be a time where a prospect comes in, a pitching prospect in in the Rocky system and bucks that trend. I mean, eventually there's going to be a pitcher who does well at Coors. Um, I think I'll probably miss on them because, you know, for me, it's adding risk on top of already the inherent risk in a in a starter's profile, um, you know, for, for any pitching prospect. Uh, but for you, you know, how do you reconcile the fact that, you know, a player like this eventually is going to have to pitch in, in Coors Field? Yeah, so for me, I, I try not to think about it too, too much. Obviously, it's hard to completely ignore, but there are so many possibilities when it, when it comes to these prospects. He could end up being traded before he ever makes it to the bigs, right? So Coors might have no effect at all. Obviously, the safer bet is that he makes it up with Colorado. That's the organization he's with right now. But I, I never want to put too much stock in the fact that he is with the Rockies right now because anything could happen between now and the time he potentially debuts. Yeah, that's true, especially when you're talking about a 19-year-old. A um, all right, well, that, that's a great uh, first name to to start us out. Uh, next up is a name that I have. It's it's someone I've tweeted about, but I, I think it bears a longer conversation, and that's Christian Scott. Uh, he's a 24-year-old starting pitcher in the Mets organization. He's in AA, and he's 1% uh, owned on Fantrax. In his last start, he threw uh, six innings. He had four hits, two in runs, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Uh, and overall on the year, split between three different levels. He actually started in low A. He's now up to double A. Um, he has a 258 ERA, uh, a whip under one at 0.81, uh, 11 strikeouts per nine, and 1.4 walks per nine. So he's getting both the Ks, but he's also showing uh, good control, not walking a lot of batters, and he's had great results. So the interesting thing about Christian Scott is he was actually used as a reliever in college. He didn't get a lot of starting opportunities. He, I believe he went to the University of Florida, and they just had a, a pretty stacked rotation and, and never gave him an opportunity. Um, but now he's, you know, the, the Mets saw something in him. They're trying him out as a starter. And so far, the results have been great. Uh, he's got an above average uh, low to mid-90s fastball. So it seems like the velo is ticking up. Uh, originally, it was more in the the mid-range, but, uh, or I'm sorry, more in the low range. But now it seems to be going more to the mid-range. It seems like he's able to sustain it longer through these outings, which is great to see. Uh, he also has a plus slider. It's, um, you know, he he's talked about how he modeled it after Max Scherzer's. So that's always <laughs> a fun comp there. Um, you know, just like the last guy we talked about, Jordy, he has a below average changeup. And, and usually that's one of the the last things to come with some of these pitching prospects. So it's something that he'll need to work on um, either developing that changeup or another third pitch. Cause you know, right now he's just two pitches, really the fastball and the slider. There's definite relief risk there with not having, you know, a full arsenal. Um, but because this is the first time he's really been, you know, a starter and the results have been great, I, I find him super intriguing. I think that there could be um, definitely some, you know, mid-rotation upside there. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a very interesting name and one to keep an eye on because he's moving through the system really quickly. He is 24, so, you know, there's not a lot holding him back if he can continue to perform and there's a need in, you know, the Mets rotation, you know, he could be up sooner rather than later. So uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on Christian Scott? Yeah. You touched on a lot of what I saw too. You know, the fact that he wasn't a starter in college, but is being built up kind of helps to dissuade the fact that when you look at his, uh, his pitches or sorry, his, his innings per start, he was below four innings per start 
at each level this year prior to reaching double A. If I remember correctly, he's gone six or more in each of his double A starts so far to this point. So that's really encouraging to see. But the other thing I noticed was that he had a little bit of a control issue maybe in prior years where the walk rate had gotten up closer to, you know, four or five per nine at times, which, you know, isn't terrible relative to what we often see in the minors, but he's really limited at this year. Like he's down one, one and a half at every level so far. And I just wonder do you think that's because he's, you know, starting to get adjusted to the starter's workload now? Or has he just unlocked something? Because you said he's also, you know, it looks like started to build that velo a little more consistently. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say when a, when a pitcher goes through a transition like that. But, you know, I think part of it is is definitely being more comfortable in the role. Um, but I also think maybe the re- the reason he was relegated to that relief role in the past is because there was some control issues. So... I, I definitely think, you know, with, with any prospect, when they go to a new level, get new coaching, you know, sometimes they can unlock something. And, you know, with how much he's pitched this so far this year and how consistently, like you mentioned, the results have been there by level. I think we have to look at it like this is a new pitcher, you know, that there, I don't know what the mechanical change or, or fundamental change uh, occurred, but it's definitely occurred and you know, you can't fake your way to a, you know, 1.4 walks per nine. Um, you're definitely showing improved control if you can get it that low. So, um, you know, we'll see where this goes, but he's definitely one that I would keep an eye on. And if he can continue these results in the, the upper levels of the minors, uh, I definitely think he's one that could start moving pretty quickly up, uh, up lists. Absolutely. And I think another important thing to note when we're talking about a guy transitioning from relief to starting is his size. He's 6'4", 215. He's got that prototypical starters build that you can foresee being able to pitch five, six, seven innings on a regular basis. Yeah, that's a that's a great observation. Um, okay, so so who's your next name? My next name is Marco Vargas. A little bit of a theme to start off with the Vargases here. Another young kid. He's 18 years old. He's a shortstop in the Miami org, currently playing at the complex level, and he's 2% owned on fan tracks. So being in the complex level, a little bit of a smaller sample size. In 13 games played, he's got a 295, 467, 477 slash, good for a 944 OPS. One home run, five steals, 10 runs, sorry, 12 runs scored, 10 RBIs with a 23% walk rate and 10.7% K rate. Now, you know, those walk and K numbers at this level, you got to take with a bit of grain of salt because the pitching isn't spectacular. You can go up there looking for a walk and you'll probably draw one. That being said, a lot of the other numbers he's put up are really encouraging as well. And the fact that he put up strong numbers as a 17-year-old in the DSL last year as well. He had a 319, 421, 456 slash line. He is also considered a, an advanced hitter for his age. So you start you know, mixing those reports in with what you see in the numbers, and you start liking it more and more. He's got a smooth left-handed swing with a good approach, and the numbers back that up, particularly the fact that uh, he apparently ran a zone contact rate over 90% last season. And this is per a site I found called Just Baseball. 
So I found that really intriguing. When you pair that with the fact that he's just got a 10.7% K rate this year, it sounds like he's got a really good ability to make a lot of contact when he decides to swing. Yeah, I think the the hit tool there is really the the star. Um, it's definitely you know above average uh, from what he's done so far and, and from the evaluations. And, and you mentioned his performance in the DSL. Uh, he was actually named the team MVP uh, for the team he was on. So definitely someone who who's performed everywhere we've seen him so far. Um, my main question with him is he looks like a great high floor prospect, but I- I'm kind of curious w- what your belief in as far as the uh, the ceiling in terms of the power and the speed. Yeah, so I think right now, you know, there's there's not a ton of power presently being shown. That being said, he is again, 18 years old, young, he's listed as six foot 170. So there's again, room to grow. And we could realistically see that power tick up a few notches as he grows into his body and rises level to level. The power oftentimes is kind of the last thing to come for a lot of these young hitters. So the fact that he has such a strong hit tool already really, really encourages me to think that he might get to at least you know, average game power. And when you've got a guy with the bat-to-ball skills that he seems to have, that average power could play up. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. I mean, I think there's, you know, with projection and everything, he can lift the ball a little bit more. I, I think there's definitely, you know, the potential for 15 to 20 home runs there uh, at peak, which would, you know, with some good speed and, and that contact ability would definitely play in fantasy for sure. Absolutely, yeah. And the other really interesting thing about him too is he's actually a converted catcher. So he, you know, came into pro ball as a catcher, now playing primarily shortstop, but has played a little bit all around the diamond. It makes you wonder a little bit about the defensive home moving from catcher to shortstop. But at the same time, it's really good to see that there's the athleticism in the profile to move from such a demanding position and catcher to one of the, you know, most important defensive positions at shortstop. Yeah, definitely. And and we've seen it go the other way, right? I mean, Buster Posey was a shortstop before he became a catcher. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've seen, you know, Tatis adapt well to the outfield. So it, these guys who are really talented, um, you know, have the mind and, and the defensive skills. I mean, they, they can often, you know, make those adjustments without any problem. Absolutely. I think it's really encouraging to see. Awesome. Uh, my next name is another one that I, I tweeted about. Uh, I just think he's super interesting in some of the adjustments he's made, and that's Reese Hines. So Reese Hines is uh, 22. He's an outfielder in the Reds organization at AA, uh, 6% owned on fan tracks. Reese Hines used to be kind of a buzzy prospect uh, after he was drafted. There's definitely tools there. Uh, he's got you know big-time power, but he's one that's kind of fallen off of prospect lists uh, and you know team top 30 lists over the last year or two, uh, but he's doing some interesting things this year. So if you look at a season long line, it doesn't look great. It's 239, 298, 489. So that slash right there tells you he's not getting on base. Um, you know, the average is nothing special. He does have some slug and that that's apparent with his 12 home runs so far this year. He's also got nine stolen bases. So that might be a little misleading. I don't think he's going to be all that fast at, at the major league level, but um, maybe more of a smart base dealer than a, a crazy fast one. Uh, if you look at his walk and K rates, it's really ugly. So he's got a 5.9% walk rate and a 38.4% K rate. So 
Uh, I'll get into this a little bit, but his hit rate was actually, you know, closer to 40 or even over 40 at a lot of points this year. So everything I'm saying so far kind of sounds bad, but like, why, why do I care about this guy? Um, <clears throat> the reason why is because over his last 12 games, he's batting 410, 510, 1000. Um, so he's slugging a thousand, getting on base more than half the time. He's got seven home runs during that span. And more importantly, he's got uh, a 12.2% walk rate and a 20.4% K rate. And that K rate's actually up a little bit from when I first tweeted about him because he did have a two strikeout game last night. But I think the thing to look at here is that he's on this incredible run um, in terms of how he's hitting in the power, but he's also showing a better approach. And now this is only 12 games, but this coincides with a major adjustment in his hitting and, you know, his stance at the plate. So uh, I just happened to come across an article about this where, you know, a lot of scouting reports coming into this year talked about the holes in his swing. And obviously when you strike out that much, there's a lot of holes in your swing, but one of the main holes is he really struggled with chasing pitches on the outer half. Um, he just, you know, it, it was a major hole in his swing. It was taken advantage of a lot. And finally, the coaching staff at Double A got through to him of like, hey, let's try this other thing and let's move you closer to the plate. We're going to try this adjustment in your swing. And the results have been amazing, as you've seen. So there is some uh, approach adjustments there with the improved walk rate. Um, but I think he, he's finally adjusted to that weakness on the outer half by, by shifting closer to the plate. And, you know, some of these adjustment things you have to take with a grain of salt because they don't always stick. But based on some of the successes of the Reds organization recently with, you know, Ellie De La Cruz, Christian Encarnacion Strand, uh, Matt McClain, you know, we've seen these prospects take big steps forward this year. So to me, it's, you know, feasible that this could be happening to Reese Hines. And the reason why that's exciting is because A, no, nobody's really paying attention to him at this point. But B, this guy has always had huge power. I mean, he's a, a 30 home run bat at, at the MLB level or more. And if they can just, you know, fix those issues with his swing, if he could just make average contact or even fringe average contact, I mean, this is a guy who who could have major juice in fantasy. So I'm kind of excited about this. I, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. It's something to monitor, but uh, I don't necessarily think his future will be on the Reds because their infield is, or, um, you know, <laughs> infield in outfield. He's an outfielder, but used to be an infielder. But uh, they're, they're so crowded right now with talent that, you know, he might not be uh, on the Reds, but he could be part of a package where they try to go out and get pitching at the trade deadline or something like that. And he could got, get an opportunity on another team. So Resigns is a super interesting guy to me. Uh, what are your thoughts, Kyle? Yeah, so this is the kind of guy that when I first started playing dynasty like i said six seven years ago i found really really interesting but over the years this is the kind of guy that has just kept burning me and burning me and burning me because i love the power potential he has but the k and the walk rates just terrify me at this point it's really encouraging like you said that uh he has cleaned that up a little bit over the last couple of weeks but I would have to imagine that he's had some of those similar stretches in past seasons. And even then, his lowest career strikeout rate is just a tick under 30% at 28.1%. So I wonder how much of that, you know, will stick around now that he's made this adjustment. Because for me, looking at a guy that is his size, six foot four, 
if he's moved closer to the plate to help himself get to those outside pitches as a pitcher myself, I'm coming inside on him with those long arms, fixing that hole away might open one up on the inner half of the plate and make things tough. And I wonder if, as he's adjusting, if the opponents start to adjust, if there's going to be other issues that he's going to have to deal with. now. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Uh, you know, he's definitely going to have to make adjustments in the future. I'm always encouraged, though, when I see a player who can make adjustments, um, you know, they, they find success with it. Usually that that pertains well for their ability to make adjustments in the future. But, you know, as you mentioned, it's a very risky profile. I mean, one hot stretch is not enough to erase years of, you know, obscene strikeout rates. So we'll see what happens with him. But he's definitely something someone I think has ceiling and, you know, is worth monitoring to see if this is real or not. Um, so next up, your next name. Who's that? Yeah, next guy on my list is Jose Perella. This is a guy that I just kind of learned about when scouring a minor league baseball tracker a couple of weeks ago. He's a 17-year-old outfielder in the Cleveland system and not really their typical kind of guy. You know, he's not that bat-to-ball, contact-first kind of guy that's just going to spray it all over the place. He actually possesses a lot of power especially for a 17 year old he's a big kid he's 6'3 181 so the concern there obviously is how he's going to mature physically as he moves level to level but the present power is really really intriguing in 10 games so far he uh he's had a 743 slugging percentage with two home runs and when you pair that with just a 20% K rate and a 17% walk rate, it uh, it gets really exciting to to hope and dream on the Guardians organization kind of working their magic on a kid with this much power. And if they can get him to put the bat on the ball consistently, he could be really exciting for fantasy in future years. Yeah, he he's not a unknown signing either. I mean, he did sign for for 320k. So, he's definitely, you know, was a international prospect and and he's definitely showing like you said a really encouraging start. I mean, um it's tough with these DSL kids because, you know, there's a lot of great 17-year-old performances in the DSL, but mm-hmm. until they get stateside, we don't really know. Um we're just kind of going off of what they're pedigree was and then and then what their performance has been but he's definitely super interesting and zero percent owned on fan tracks so even in those super deep leagues he might still be out there and and based on what you said you know i, I agree i think this is an interesting name to take a shot on yeah um, nice nice flyer at the back end of your uh your your prospect pool that you can just churn out for another hot guy if he cools off in a week or two yeah definitely uh, and and that's a key to dynasty, I think for for anybody who's getting into it is you got to keep churning those those last few roster spots. Um, kind of know who those guys are who are fringe and be able to to drop them and pick up whoever's hot because that's how you're gonna find gold and not you know fall in love with a guy like Perella and then keep him, you know after he cools off that that's not gonna do you any good. Um, you need to kind of move on at that point with these fringe mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, so next up, I have a, a really intriguing starting pitcher. So this is Richard Fitz. He's 22, uh, starting pitcher in the Yankees organization. He's at double A. And I feel like 
all I've talked about this year, both on the Twitter account and the podcast is Yankees pitchers, but they're doing something really great this year in their development. And there's just a lot of intriguing arms in their system. Um, nobody with, you know, ace upside or anything like that, but a lot of, you know, mid rotation types um, that have been popping up this year. So uh, fits on the year. His line is a three, nine, one ERA, uh, 1.16 whip, uh, 3.5 FIP. So, you know, he, his ERA is sitting a little above his, his FIP. He's got 10.1 strikeouts per nine and 1.9 walks per nine. So pretty good strikeout ability. Um, you know, pretty good control. But what's interesting with him is kind of how that breaks down over the season. So his last six starts, he actually has a 1.89 ERA. He's got a whip under one. Uh, he's got a 2.4 FIP. His K per nine is a little bit higher at 10.4 and the walks per nine is lower at 1.2. He actually has uh, six, or I'm sorry, five straight starts with six innings or more pitched and six plus strikeouts in each one of those five starts. Uh, he's also gone two straight starts without a walk. So He's definitely showing the control. He's showing the strikeout ability. He's showing the ability to go, uh, you know, deep into games for a minor leaguer. Um, one thing to keep in mind is, you know, he started this, he struggled at the start of the season. He's since improved. Uh, and, and this was kind of what we saw last year when he was in low A as well. Uh, he really struggled in low A last year, but then uh, towards the end of the year, when he got to high A, he altered his delivery and the results were just fantastic. He had five games started at the end of the year at high A, and he had an ERA under one at 0.55. So the adjustments in his delivery actually led to a velo increase. Um, and now he's got an above average mid-90s fastball with with great spin on it. Uh, he also has a plus slider. And like a lot of pitchers we've talked about today, he's still developing that changeup, but it does show promise to be at least average, if not more so. Um, he has good control is seen, you know, his walk rates, he, he still struggles with command at times. So he leaves the ball where it can be hammered. Um, so that has led to multiple, uh, you know, two home run games this year where he's, you know, uh, giving up damage, but overall, I think this is a really intriguing pitcher. He's pretty close in double a and, you know, there's mid rotation upside here. So if he can just continue to make those, uh, those adjustments and continue to improve as time goes on. I think this is, you know, could be a really exciting pitcher. So what are your thoughts on Richard Fitz? Yeah. So this is the kind of guy that I love to take a late flyer on in rookie drafts or even in a dynasty startup. Um, I, I forget exactly where the Yankees drafted him. I don't think he was a super early draft pick, but um you know, always had fairly good command, never walked a lot of guys, but didn't have great stuff, but it was good enough, right? So it's the kind of profile you want to bet on because if you look at, I, I think the the best example for me is a guy like George Kirby who had good but not great stuff and impressive command. And if the Yankees can continue to get his stuff to improve, as you mentioned, they already have, that stuff's been picking up with some of these uh these changes that he's made, if that can continue, this is the kind of guy you you want on your fantasy team because he's going to limit the walks, strike out enough guys to be interesting in that regard, but really help your ratios out. Definitely. I mean, I think he's definitely, you know, of all the names we talked about, um, he's probably the one that I would be most excited to add right now. All right, Kyle. So, 
I understand for your last name, you have a bit of a homer pick here. Uh, you are a Blue Jays fan, and you're going to throw out a Blue Jay. So who do you got? I am a Blue Jays fan, and not only is this guy a Blue Jay, but he is also Canadian. And hailing from Canada, I had to throw a little bit of that in here as well. His name is Damiano Palmajani. Aceman in the Blue Jays org, 23 years old, up in AA, just 1% rostered on fan tracks. I'll get a little more into why in a second, but he's the kind of guy that every time I look at him, I think he needs to be more rostered. And I still don't own him anywhere. He's hanging out there on the <laughs> waiver wire on in just about every league I'm in. And I just can't ever seem to find a guy that I want to drop for him. Because while his stats are always good, they never jump off the page at you and make you think, I need to have this guy. In 60 games played so far this year, he's got a 254, 363, 445 slash, 808 OPS there. With nine home runs, four steals, 33 RBIs, 29 runs scored. He's got a 13% walk rate and a 22% K rate. Again, none of those numbers really jump off the board at you. And he's never been that standout player, but he's always been good. He's been above average from a WRC plus standpoint at every stop in his career. And the approach at the plate really, really drives that. His walk rate has never dropped below 10% at any level. And the 22.2% K rate that he's running so far this year is the highest <clears throat> Excuse me, 22.2% K rate he's running so far this year is the highest of his career. He also has above average power that he by and large gets to in games, and this can help boost his fantasy relevance. But from a defensive standpoint, he's a corner infielder, and although he spends most of his time at third base right now, a lot of people believe he's going to end up at first base long term, which could be problematic for us fantasy players, if either the Jays sign Vladdy to a long-term deal or if Palmajani doesn't hit enough to make it to the bigs at such an offensively demanding position. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned, you know, someone who you've wanted to add but just could never find the room for because I've been the same way. I, I think I did ha add him in a couple leagues last year and then, you know, kind of ditched him because there wasn't a lot of demand for him. There was other names I wanted to move on to, but I think that the key that you brought up with him is that there's consistency there. It's never something where he goes on these crazy stretches where, you know, it's eye popping numbers, but year after year consistently, he's just putting up solid numbers and the tools back it up. Right. I mean, like you said, he's got a good hit tool, good approach. He's got above average. I've even seen, you know, plus power, um, you know, this is a solid profile, uh, but I think because he's just not a streaky player, he's just that consistent producer who just kind of puts up, you know, above average le levels and age appropriate uh, times. I mean, this is, um, you know, not not a super sexy name, but definitely somebody who who could have a lot of value in fantasy if he can be that middle of the order, you know, power hitter. And based on the stats and the profile, you know, I think he can be. The defensive limitations that you brought up, I think are key, but with, you know, he he might not end up being on the Blue Jays as much as it's cool that he's, you know, Canadian. Um, and he was actually drafted twice by the Blue Jays as well. He was drafted, mm -hmm. um, you know, once out of high school and then, you know, went, went back for college and then was drafted again. So, you know, the Blue Jays definitely like him, but 
um, you know, with with there now being the DH on on all thirty teams, I think there's an opportunity somewhere for him uh, to get that chance. Maybe it's a second division team or something like that. But this could be the kind of guy that um, you know produces really solidly across the board. You know, I'm kind of thinking I I don't, I don't do well with comps, but just kind of from a statistical profile, maybe somebody like a Spencer Steer, uh, who was you know not that heralded of a prospect, uh, but is just kind of you know, putting up good numbers, um, you know, at, at a corner infield position. So we'll see what happens, but uh, this is definitely a intriguing name and one that is out there in a lot of leagues. So if you want to take a shot on the power uh, in the hit tool, um, he's definitely there. Um, and our last name we're going to talk about, you know, you had your Homer pick, so I'm going to have my Homer pick and that's Tyler Fitzgerald uh, of the San Francisco giants. So I am a giants fan. Um, he is 25 years old, which is pretty old. I think he's probably the oldest prospect that, uh, you know, I've talked about or tweeted about so far, once you kind of get up to 25, you're reaching that point where you're not really a prospect anymore. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind. That's probably why there hasn't been a lot of buzz on him, but he is at, at triple Um, he's a shortstop in the giants organization. Uh, this year he's been, he's played at both double a and triple a he slashed 301, 379, 525. And in 55 total games between those two levels, he has 10 home runs and 15 stolen bases. And a lot of that has actually, most of that has come at the, at the triple a level. Um, the approach is pretty good. He's got a, a 10.8% walk rate, <clears throat> excuse me, 23% strikeout rate. And uh, last season he put up great numbers as well. I think it was in about 120 something games. He had uh, a 2020 line. So he had 22 home runs and 20 stolen bases. So he's definitely got the power speed, um, he's kind of more of a utility type of profile, uh, but this is a profile that the giants have actually done really well with. I mean, look at Tyro Strada, um, you know, look at some of the other kind of JD Davis, some of these other kind of fringy, uh, profiles that they've been able to get the most out of. So I'm excited to see what the giants coaching can do once he hits the major league level. Um, he is at triple a, he is kind of on the verge of that call up. So we saw yesterday, I think the giants had called up, uh, Isan Diaz, he was off to a good start in AAA, but I, I just don't see him being like the long-term answer for another infielder there. You know, Crawford is, uh, you know, <laughs> he's close to retirement. And then, you know, Schmidt hasn't really, you know, he came out of the gates really hot, but he hasn't really shown it yet. He's really cooled off and, and really struggled since then. So I think there is an opportunity for another infielder in that, uh, in that Giants kind of infield rotation there. And I think, Tyler Fitzgerald is kind of more one of those guys where you pick him up once he gets called up rather than picking him up now, but there's definitely power speed upside there. And he's definitely somebody who, if he gets out of the gates hot, which we've seen a lot of giants rookies do this year, uh, he could have major uh, juice in fantasy because he can, you know, provide across all the categories. Yeah. One thing I saw with this guy was that uh, if you just looked at the stats or you just looked at the scouting reports, you could get two very different pictures as to who Fitzgerald might be, because the stats seem to imply that he does have a solid uh, power speed blend. But if you look at a lot of the grades that he gets, most scouts don't seem to like his power very much. There's a lot of 30 grade, 40 grade on his power, but the numbers to me seem to imply that he's at least you know, got average power in there. Yeah. What, one thing I would caution with that is I think a lot of those scouting reports are older um, because he mm -hmm. has not been a top 30 prospect. And I think a lot of that is that his performance, I think really didn't take off until last year and he was old for the level. Right. So, 
you know, even this year, he started out in double A at age 25. I mean, that's not that's not something you're going to pay attention to. That's not something that's going to get you on top 30 list. So I think a lot of the the scouting reports out there are, you know, from when he was younger at the lower levels. And a lot seems to have changed since then, in, in at least the last couple of years. You know, I do I don't think he's going to be, you know, 30 home run hitter or anything like that. But I, I think you could see, you know, kind of that 15, 20 home run potential. Um, you know, you could see, you know, 20 plus steals, uh, and, you know, he's not going to be a star for your team, but he could be, you know, a great bench bat kind of that utility profile where he's got different position eligibility and, you know, he can make an impact. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point there just for fantasy in general is you can't look at just one side of things, whether it be the stats or the scouting reports, that'll never tell you the whole picture. You have to look at everything to get a sense of who this player is going to be because like you said especially in a case like this where you know he wasn't a highly heralded prospect and a lot of those scouting reports won't be updated you're not going to get enough or even the the proper information on a lot of those scouting reports on a guy like this definitely well that that's all the names that we have for you today hopefully this was really helpful for those of you listening and again thank you kyle for coming on the show look forward to future conversations with you and and have you on the show um that's it for the dynasty uh, baseball pickups podcast so before i go i just want to remind you to rate and review the podcast um definitely check me out on twitter at great debate tc for more names that i tweet on a daily basis and also check out uh kyle's twitter account it's at underscore sunny s-o-n-n-y underscore 50 thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week